some air supply to get you in a calm, zen moment before we talk about Iran and the United States response after three service members were killed in a drone attack. Dr. Thomas Ambrosio with NDSU joining us here in the KFGO studio. Welcome back. Well, uh, here I am again. Uh, yeah. I was uh, kind of expecting the email. Yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, well, we better figure out because um, it feels like things are on fire again around the world, but primarily in the Middle East. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Things have really started heating up. Um, so we've had uh, off the coast of Yemen the attacks by the Iran backed Houthi rebels. Uh, who basically control uh, most of Western uh, Yemen uh, against U.S. shipping uh, mm-hmm. and, and international shipping. We've launched some strikes there, and they haven't quite been put back in their place yet. Apparently. And we have had about 165 attacks on U.S. bases throughout um, Jordan, Iraq, and Syria, which most people don't even know. 165? 165 attacks. Um, that's what uh, the... Uh, it was a uh, secretary of, of, of state or, or mm-hmm. national security advisor said, and uh, you can actually, uh, you can Google a map and you can see, well, we have a lot of military bases uh-huh. all over the place, uh, including places that uh, like in Syria, where we actually don't have authorization to have those. Really? We just have the bases. And it was, they've been 165 attacks since October 7th. So since, since. things have started up mm-hmm. and it was only a matter of time until American service members would be killed. So some have been wounded, and it wasn't you know, crazy serious at that point. We can kind of keep things under wraps. And now that, well, we've had some members killed, now we have to react. We have to. I, I mean, there's there's no question for those that, uh, well, I haven't seen the news. I mean, three service members killed in a drone attack. And the, the story that's now been shared, Doctor, is uh, – uh, perhaps a mix-up in identifica- uh, identification of thinking that it was a U.S. drone, so they didn't shoot it down. Have you heard any of those yes, reports? Yes, I have. Yeah. So I've heard a couple of things. Uh, the one, the initial report was that he had a U.S. drone that was coming back to base, and this drone followed it in. Ah. That's what the first story that I heard, but mm-hmm. it could just simply be some kind of misidentification, right. or it could be you know something that we just, we messed up or something that – um, this uh, group, the um, the Islamic Resistance of Iraq, which is kind of an umbrella organization, something that they, they did in order to disguise their drone. So we don't know, no. or maybe there's you know, something else going mm-hmm. on. Um, so that's kind of how the attack happened, and it hit uh, exactly where the Americans uh, were. They're basically their... their um, Bunker type kind of their, Well, kind of a tent, really. Sure, yeah. That they were kind of sleeping in that kind of the area. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I don't want to say dormitory because that seems like a building, but it was more like tents. And that's why we had three killed and um, about thir- over 30 wounded, mm-hmm. some very, very seriously and, and in critical condition. So it may, the number may Good. actually go up. The response, like you said, there has to be a response. I mean, you can't have that display of, of weakness after your service members are killed by not doing anything. Well, right. And, and yeah. the question becomes, okay, well, how far do you push it? And yeah. what's, what's that look like with everything else? You, you mentioned October 7th for a reason. Right. You so, know, the 165 attacks on uh, U.S. military bases since October 7th is a date that now everyone's going to remember. Yeah, so, of course, uh, October 7th uh, last year is when you had the massive Hamas attack uh, against Israel. 
And that kind of activated what some have called the the axis of resistance, uh, which is essentially the anti-Western groups. Mm -hmm. And and, and these are largely backed by Iran to varying degrees of control. Um, Iran doesn't seem to want to go completely kind of, uh, I don't want to say nuclear, but they want to go completely, uh, you know, full-scale conflict, which is why they've restrained uh, their proxy in Lebanon. But clearly, they have you know they have given the green light to other groups, right, to go yeah. after the United States, um, or at the very least, have not constrained these groups. So they're all over the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, and Iran has been cultivating these for well over a decade. So the question is, what do we have? What was our response? So first of all, I think we have to just kind of step back and understand that even if we were not in a proxy war with Iran, they're in a proxy war with us, and they have been. Mm-hmm. This is we've been our base have been attacked long before this. Um, in fact, under the Trump administration, we uh, struck the like number three most powerful man in Iran and, and uh, right. assassinated him in Iraq in early 2020 because we had been our bases had been attacked. So this has been going on for a while, and now we're in a situation where we got to decide what to do. And that decision. Uh... One thing, and I saw this being reported last night, and I don't understand why anybody would report this or why anybody in the White House would say to, even if it's a confidential source, like, okay, we've got three options here. Here's the three options that we might do. And having that out in the public to to consume, I mean, why tip off anybody that, you know, even with the sheer force that we probably are very much capable of doing, saying, look, we're going to tell you the game plan and then we're going to go out and execute it. Still seems like a silly game plan to me. Well, I, I think the Iranians and these groups know kind of how, at least know the range of responses. Um, you know, we have basically, you know, we could do nothing. We can, you know, that's kind of the, the one option. The one other option would be to actually strike Iran itself, which is something that some members of Congress have called for, uh, which is we're not going to do because we don't, the United States and the Biden administration does not want a full-scale war in the Middle East. That would fundamentally change everything that's the you know smoke if you got them option uh where basically everything goes out the window Uh persian gulf gets closed um oil stops flowing inflation shoots up the entire world economy goes into the toilet so we don't want that but we have to somewhere in between that we have to kind of calibrate our response to try to establish some version of deterrence in which if you hit us, we hit you back harder, mm-hmm. so don't hit us anymore. We have to kind of figure out what is that line, and we don't know what that line is, and we have to try to guess that. The uh, That line uh, drawn, and I have no doubt that there's people that have been all throughout the last few days trying to figure out, okay, what, what's the appropriate, uh, how close we come to that line before things smoke them if you got them line. Uh, you know, and there's the backdrop of do we fund – yeah, our allies in Israel, I mean, right now that's kind of, you know, on hold. I, I've got to assume, and maybe I'm naive for doing so, that this type of attack, okay, we're going to respond. I mean, this is going to divert our attention away from any ally approach, or is it, hey, no, we're going to do everything we can, Israel, Ukraine, and Iran. Well, I the, the problem is that the funding for Israel and Ukraine, as people know, uh-huh. um, is now tied to the border and is somewhat separate from this. 
So kind of border controls yes. and who knows where that's uh, all going to go. Nowhere is what I understand, but Most that's a different conversation. Yes, yeah. another, yeah, yeah, so all these things, uh-huh. I think it's important for everyone to understand that these things are all tied together. Mm-hmm. So right now we're kind of, you know, we, we had last week or a couple of weeks ago dealing with uh, the Houthis off the coast of Yemen. We're still, deal, still dealing with that. Now we've got another problem. So we struck against the Houthis. Um, again, these are rebels in Yemen that are trying to shut down the Red Sea. Uh, where 15% of all the world's international trade flows right. through um, and like one-third of the world's oil. We're trying to figure out how can, how far do we go. And we don't know where that line is. We have imperfect information. We also have imper- imperfect information about what are the intentions of these groups and ultimately what's the intention of Iran. Does Iran want something to escalate mm-hmm. or do they, they not? So far, we've seen that Iran doesn't want it to go all the way, but at a certain point, they things could easily spiral out of control. One thing that gets thrown in the mix here, because you're, you're talking around and you mentioned the former president, you got the current president in this situation saying, okay, you know, where do we have this line? People are going to say, well, it's about that Iran nuclear deal that we backed out of. And I mean, this goes back, like you said, I mean, we took out the number two. This goes back a long ways. Uh, what... In, I, I don't know if I need to ask your opinion or how you want to answer it however you want. Tell us that. Sure. About the, backing out of that plan, did that set the stage for some of this? Because it seemed like maybe there was some agreement, hey, everybody cool down, keep it calm, and then, all right, we're backing out unilaterally on our side, and uh, now here we are a so, few years later. Yeah, so, yeah, under the Obama administration, so kind of have to go a little bit of backstory to kind of get to the present. Under the back, uh, the Obama administration, um, President Obama was part of an agreement in order to try to delay uh, Iran's nuclear program. And it really was ultimately delay, wasn't stopping it. The idea behind it was that we can't, we don't want to start bombing Iran to stop the nuclear program. We also hope that we can create some type of a living arrangement with, with Iran, build us some trust that will pay off later. Um, a lot of people criticized that deal when President Trump came into office. He scrapped it all and began his pro- program of maximum pressure against Iran uh, and completely siding with Saudi Arabia against Iran. So that's kind of that context where we start basically increasing tensions with Iran. Now, was that inevitable because mm-hmm. Trump people and, and, and would argue that the Obama policy was appeasement? So right. we don't know. It would be great to do a kind of a alternate reality, a multiverse to find out, but we don't know. When President Biden comes into office, he starts reversing a lot of these policies. Actually, I was talking about reviving a nuclear deal. That goes out the window because the Iranians are no longer really interested. Um, but starts trying to create some basically a detente with Iran to try to calm things down. Uh, we have this um, hostage exchange in which we also hand over it's like $6 billion dollars which was Iran's money to begin with. It's not like we're just paying them, but yeah. essentially it was Iran's money that we had uh, seized back in the day. And so now the Trump people and the, and the people on the right are like, oh, you see what happens when you appease Iran again. Mm-hmm. And, Chris, we don't know what would have happened, but I do know for absolute certainty that this is going to be a big issue in 2024. There's no doubt. President, been, former President Trump is going to say, I was tough on Iran and I, you know, killed their the head of their um, uh, Revolutionary Guard, 
and they back down, and then Biden comes in, and look what we get. Yep. And, now, that's it, whether or not it's true, whether or not it's, it's the way it actually would have been, and, and for all of reality, we don't know. But it's going to be a huge political issue. It will. It will. And that ties into the, the same narrative. And I know i got to let you go here in a moment that, you know what, it wouldn't have, Ukraine would not have happened had I been there. Uh, you yep. know, and now with Iran, this being the latest here, and there's going to be a response. We just haven't seen it yet. Uh, doctor, I'm up against the clock. Is there anything more to oh, this? No. There's plenty. We can keep going if you need to. Okay, you stick around then. I'll, I'll stick take, around a bit, yeah. Uh, okay, Dr. Thomas Ambrosio, i got more questions for him. If you do as well, 35270, or come back with this conversation next. Dr. Thomas Ambrosio, NDSU political science professor, international law, all the things that breaks down what's going on in the world. This question came came in. Uh, well, it's more of a statement. I'll get your reaction to it. Tyler, isn't it obvious that anti-West is completely coordinated? You mentioned about the axis of resistance. Is yes, what I some re- people call uh, it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, it was funny on this date. Well, it's not funny. Uh, a number of years ago, it was the axis of evil was declared from uh, then President Bush. But this axis of resistance is saying this anti-West system is coordinated. Now I'm thinking, okay, you got Iran, you got Russia, you got China. I mean, the list kind of goes on. I mean, do you read the the room the same way as this text does? I would say coordinated. It's not like they're all sitting around in a meeting saying, here's how we strike at the West. Uh, in particular, the United States. Um, however, there are common interests. And I think that's something we need to understand, that there are common interests of those who are opposed to the United States' role in the, United, in the world and America's domination as the world's most powerful country. And not just the U.S., but also its allies. So it, rather than coordination, I would just say kind of a commonality of this resistance. Now, people call it the axis of resistance because it's, oh, it reminds us of World War II mm-hmm. again, these alliances. But even they weren't very actually very coordinated, um, ironically enough. So uh, it's more of a, a, a group of countries that, realize there's something in the world they don't like and they would rather see a different world order. When it comes to that approach, saying, okay, we're not picking up that red telephone, right, and calling each other, but uh, if I see Iran's over here doing this, this might be an opportune time to do what I want to do. Is that common practice in this sort of thing? I, I think that's probably do, yeah. more like it. Okay, yeah, so when you have Iran doing the drone attack and you got other people that don't like us saying, all right, now's the time, so I mean, our are we on more alert, not just with Iran, but everybody else? Well, we should be on alert. Um, yeah, I mean, if things really heated up, I could imagine things kind of spiraling in other places. But, of course, Russia is limited in terms of what it can do. I mean, it's stuck in Ukraine, and it ain't going anywhere. But, you know, with China, North Korea, it's unlikely these countries are actually kind of in the mood right now for war. But certainly it would make it easier for them to increase your influence to kind of act in a way that is essentially um, they can act with impunity. Whereas, you know, the United States is distracted right now. So therefore really can't do anything. And it's it, I, the fact that the Middle East is so fascinating because every time we think we're out, it's a Godfather three line. Every time we think we're out, they pull us back in. We can't get out of the Middle East. We want to pivot to Asia. We want to deal with, with Ukraine. And we just keep getting sucked back in this, this region. Well, the president did say that he has decided on a response. Uh, that's what I'm reading on uh, the national news. We just don't know what that is yet. Right. They said it will unfold over the next couple of days. 
We'll probably see some strikes against some of these locations. Of course, now they're going to move. These aren't these aren't states that we're attacking because mm-hmm. we're not going to go after Iran. Uh, we're going after proxies. We can hit whatever we want, but they have the advantage of being kind of small, mobile groups that can come after us at their time of choosing. When that does unfold, can we get you back on to explain more? Absolutely. Oh, very good. Dr. Thomas Ambrosio, our go-to uh, expert on all things chaos in the world. Can I dub you that, or is that just too dark? Because it feels like oh, that's every fine. time. Okay, we'll have you back on then when that does come around. Appreciate your time, though, on Russian on Yeah, Over, right? I, yep, sounds good. Dr. Thomas Ambrosio, NDSU, a political science professor, international law. Get you caught up with KFGO News. More afternoons live next.